0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. This is the first bonus episode, actually. Um, Now, I need you to know that the episode you're about to hear was one I actually wasn't comfortable with for many reasons, but I knew I had to share that with you. I knew I had to share that I had a lot of insecurities. For me, this whole podcast isn't just about connection. I mean, yes, that is the primary theme, but alongside all the other little ingredients amongst this whole connection theme is also about the process of everything. You're basically going on the process with me on all these new beginnings. So that's podcasting, me moving abroad, finding my footing in the city, Yes, meeting amazing people, but most importantly, actually putting myself out there despite any insecurities and uncertainties. Okay. Yes, that's for me. But also, I'm not doing it just for me to get some pleasure out of it. I'm doing it because I want you guys, the listeners who have been tuning in to my podcast and will hopefully be subscribed and continue to follow along this whole process with me. But it's for you to step out. It's for you to maybe take others on that journey with you because it's encouraging, because it's motivating, because we need to hear someone else's story in order for us to step out and to do the same and say I'm doing this. So I'm starting with this first bonus episode. So why was I even hesitant to publish this episode about inequality? I mean, inequality is a topic we should all be talking about, right? Well, the truth is I felt really uneducated about the topic. I felt like even one wrong word or uneducated statement would have fingers pointing at me from all angles. And I knew I needed to share that small fact with you because I know I'm not the only one out there that feels the same. And I know that in order to grow and step out of whatever is holding us back, that it only opens up all the avenues of growth. And I also wanted to share this episode because I think I barely even knew how to properly use my microphones yet. And also, you can even hear that I'm not even confident in my voice. And I think it was solely because of the topic, which makes me want to give myself a a little hug just hearing the episode. And and maybe you might want to give me a hug, too. I really miss a good hug, by the way. I'm doing all this because it's where we start. It's where we all start. It's me sharing you, my vulnerabilities, and it's me trying to encourage anyone else who just needs to step out and speak up despite feeling unworthy on the topic. And you'll hear it in the episode too. I, I feel unworthy and we are not unworthy for anything. We as individuals have so much worth in all we do that just needs to be said. It needs to be a reminder, (laughs) but you know, even sharing that uh, saying that I'm unworthy in that episode and you know, some people might think, Oh, well she shouldn't say that out loud. You know, that's just too much. Why not? Why not share with you those very insecure points, those very vulnerable points I'm human. And y'all need to know that. So, the point of it all, I stepped out and I stood up using my voice and my platform, no matter how small my voice might sound in the episode. I stood up for what I believe in, standing up for what I believe is right, making it known that inequalities of all kinds have no place in this world. And I want to do the work in me. There needs to, there's a lot of work that needs to happen. And I think it stems from my past, things that I've heard, things that I've seen, ridiculous, absolutely uncalled for, racial things. And I even, I'm even struggling even trying to, to say that properly because I still can't believe the stuff I've experienced now, if that's the stuff I've experienced and may have put these thoughts and ideas in my head as a child, man, I can only imagine others and what they've gone through. And so how that slowly shapes them and 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 their ways of thinking, that's um, pretty heavy stuff. And I don't want this one I don't want this one episode to, it's it's not going to stop at this one episode. In the future, I will have others on board to help me even dive deeper on this topic of inequality. And so it's it's, it's now the end of July. Time has flown by like crazy. The recording was made in early June. So just, a, I think, maybe a week after all the incidences that occurred in the states and mind you I'm I'm living here in the UK so I'm watching my country going into this really scary time and it's it's like I'm it's it's just crazy guys I can't even explain to you Um, And I know that there are many out there probably living abroad, looking into America and thinking, wow, what is happening? Ah, Well, the time between June, so early June and now, has forced a lot of us to start looking inward, especially on the topic of racism. And saying things like, I don't see color, or all lives matter might be said with innocence, but it's time to dig deep and figure out why saying those things just isn't helpful. It just isn't helpful, guys. And I could, you know, talk about those two things, those two quotes that we might say and with, you know, honesty in our hearts, but there's been a lot of reasons why we need to figure out why seeing color, which is the most beautiful of things, seeing people's culture, seeing people's diversity, man, that is probably one of the most gorgeous things that we hold dear to us in our own individuality. And why being colorblind isn't the right way to go. And also, you know, saying all lives matter. Yeah they do. But guess what? That's not what we're saying here. That's not, that is not the point. And you will hear more in the episode as to why that isn't helpful either. So guys, there it is. There it is. Sharing with you all the dirt, all the insecurities, and I'm going to do it. I had a really hard time thinking, should I? Well, here it is. There you go. Inequality is not a trend. So when it's not on your social feeds anymore, when you're not hearing about it, when you're not seeing it on the news, for instance, it's still there. It's always there. So guys, let's keep talking about it. Hey guys, it's Nicolette, and thanks for joining me on It's About the Connection podcast. I'm going to be really transparent with you guys on the very first episode. This episode was not planned. As a matter of fact, I've been hesitant to record myself on this topic because of how sensitive the subject is. But when I started to get real with myself, I remembered how I've never shied away from anything sensitive, and I'm not going to start now. Besides, how am I going to host on a subject of connection if I can't be completely honest with my listeners and try to confront the very thing that may be causing disconnect in our world? Now, it's the first week of June, and we're still knees deep in a pandemic, with lives lost, jobs lost, normality gone. But all this now is slowly seeming to dissipate, and now trickled into another event That has been a constant reoccurrence for many, many years. The death of George Floyd is the final and last straw after the constant cases of innocent black lives being killed in different states in America. There is an uprising and a demand for change that should have happened years ago. I think we all know that racism and inequality of all sorts is still on the rise and we can no longer brush it under the carpet. We need to confront it, and the only way to do that is to seek out questions that make us uncomfortable and educate ourselves about structural racism. And I'm ready and willing to do that, because just saying I'm not racist doesn't cut it. Ibram Kendi, who is a leader scholar of race and discriminatory policy in America, stated that he has written a book called How to Be Anti-Racist, and it definitely has some very important points. He says that being anti-racist isn't about who you are, but what you do. Brene Brown recently had uh, an interview with Kendi, and I love when she says this in the conversation she had with him. She said, I think that there are people that don't want to be in the racist category because there's so much shame attached to that. And they don't want to be in the anti-racist category because there's so much freaking work attached to that. Now, I moved to Michigan when I was pretty young, right before middle school, and I left my uh, freshman year of high school. And it wasn't until living there that I specifically remember hearing and seeing racial inequality. At the time, I don't think I fully understood the racial slurs and remarks, and I think I just mistook them as, as teasing. But it wasn't until I started hearing adults having these really casual conversations about people of color, and it dawned on me. I thought to myself, this ain't, this ain't right. You see, I didn't really have anyone to tell me that that was wrong, even though deep down I knew it. Until this day, I think about the adults that I was around who thought those words were okay to, to speak about in front of children. I think around 14, I started to notice my own skin color more than ever. I'm Mexican-American, from my mom's side, and it's pretty obvious when looking at me, and my dad is white. And around that age, I started to hear racial slurs about my own Mexican heritage. And then, more than ever, my appearance was a topic of my insecurities. The school I went to was primarily black and white, so I didn't exactly fit in anywhere. And that definitely showed through my adolescence. You see, children aren't born racist. I mean, of course we're not it's taught to us it's it's around us it's overheard and as i examine myself and as a as a mexican woman with a white parent i start to wonder if without knowing it have i unknowingly benefited from racism and it starts with that hard question so i started to read more about white privilege and the deep dynamic of it now white privilege doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard. It means your skin tone isn't one of the things making it harder. You don't get harassed for existing in public locations or feeling like people are watching you at like a suspect in a grocery store. Now this leads me into standing with the BLM movement, the Black Lives Matter. It is a human rights movement calling for the end of violence and systemic racism towards black people. Now, no one ever said black lives matter more than other lives. An example I've been hearing a lot, is, which is a great one, is if a child hurts themselves on the playground and you bring them a Band-Aid, it doesn't mean the other children don't matter. But those other children aren't the ones hurting and need your help. I mentioned Ibram Kendi's book, How to be Anti-Racist. I was so intrigued and I researched a little bit more what that actually meant to him and how I can go on that journey to discovering it. He says, what an anti-racist does first and foremost is identify racial inequalities. A perfect example is when Social Security was created in 1935, it excluded domestic and agricultural workers, the majority of whom were Black. While the Social Security Administration denies racial bias was a factor in that decision, it still meant that black workers had less opportunity over the course of decades to accumulate savings and wealth compared to white workers. Other policies that disproportionately provided tax-funded wealth-building opportunities to white Americans produced similar results for black Americans. Now, there are so many of these inequalities that I have yet to learn. And one of them, and a topic that has been brought up more, at least the word systemic racism, has been brought up so much more than I've ever heard in the past, and for very good reason. It is a thing and has been happening since the very beginnings. So as I was doing some more research, I stumbled upon a website called Race Forward, and they provided very straightforward eight-part video series that shows how racism shows up in our lives across institutions and society. They're in wealth gaps, employment, housing discrimination, government surveillance, incarceration, drug arrests, immigration arrests, infant mortality. So, one of those examples, we'll talk about housing discrimination. What would you call it if a lifetime of legal segregation followed by decades of pervasive racist housing policies still, till this day, disadvantage black people in almost every aspect of life? Because where you live can decide everything from how safe you are, to what food you eat, to the quality of your health care, to the quality of your job, and to the quality of your children's education. The other example for systemic racism is immigration policy. Have you ever wondered why, even though undocumented people come to the U.S. from all over the world, the faces of undocumented persons is always assumed to be from Central America or South America? And our heavy-handed enforcement policies that ruin lives and tear families apart every day are focused almost entirely on the southern U.S. border— and the Hispanic people of color who cross that border. Both of these are systemic racism. It's a very heavy conversation to have, but I believe that 2020 has had an enormous shift in our world. It can be very, very negative, but we can flip it and make it into a positive, a positive that forces change. Within the very beginnings of the first year, we've had Australia deeply wounded by fires. And the pandemic has caused everyone to stay away from friends and family, which has also caused vulnerable people to have to deal with heavy emotional issues that they never had time to deal with before. And now this. And now we're dealing with a reoccurring theme of racial injustice, and it seems to be never ending. But you know what? I do believe that there can and will be a stop to it. But that's only once we start getting uncomfortable with ourselves and consider ideas and and biases we may have held. One of my close friends who lives in the States shared with me that she's been having real conversations like never before with her husband, being a minority, and she's not. She also had very real conversations with her son, which I hope we can all remember that it starts with the kids. It starts with us educating them appropriately and giving them all the useful knowledge that they need to go into the world knowing that we are all equal. But what stood out to me was she admitted to some of her own biases that that she's held and didn't realize she had. And I'm also absolutely guilty of that. I believe that these heavy conversations are happening so much more now than ever. But the truth is, It all begins with the heart. It's a lot of heart work, guys. It's a lot of digging and re-digging for months and years. Change doesn't happen overnight, but we do have it in us to make that change. And it's not until we get real about ourselves and the past of the ways that we used to think and then being willing to relearn and listen deeper so that change can come into fruition. It's also important to remember that we're all interconnected. As much as we are individuals with amazing diversities, we can use that individuality to educate each other, to encourage each other, to stand united. So let's do that. Thanks so much again for listening, guys. And let's stay connected.